This podcast is now brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And it's everything you need to make a podcast great in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 30. This podcast is sponsored by Generation You Can, the smarter energy nutrition that's powered by Superstarch, a slow-release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long-lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. Visit generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first purchase. That's generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. Generation You Can, the best choice for steady energy. This podcast is also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier. This podcast is also brought to you by Run With a Smile. Run With a Smile is the exciting new brand that promotes positivity throughout the running community and everyday life. Their product ranges from clothing, homewares, and accessories. Simply visit runwithasmile.com and use the coupon code SMILEBREAK for 10% off your order. That's runwithasmile.com and use the coupon code SMILEBREAK. My name is Andrew Lorenzo and I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a two-hour and 40-minute marathon by the year 2020. Over the course of my journey, starting in 2018, I've discovered many things about the human spirit that I want to share with all of you. It's my hope that I'll help you reach your true potential and inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. With the help of an amazing community of listeners and speakers, we can all push ourselves harder than we ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. I'm Andrew Lorenzo. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can find all things Breaking the Barrier on the website, breakingthebarrierpodcast.com, or head over to the social media sites, the Facebook, which is Breaking the Barrier Podcast, or the Instagram, which is Breaking the Barrier Podcast. And you can also, of course, check out the link to request to join the Facebook community group where you can share moments of your journey, you can ask questions, and you can interact with some of the other members of the Breaking the Barrier community. Also a really great place to stay up to date with what's going on in terms of the podcast, in terms of future episodes, and that sort of thing. And you can either, again, you can check out that link on the website, breakingthebarrierpodcast.com, or you can just check out the Facebook page and send a message through there and let me know you'd like to join and I will send you a link. So we've got a really great episode today. I'm going to have a conversation with Karima Majadidi, who is an amazing runner. I met her through the Marathon Training Academy, and she's going to talk a little bit about her journey and her experience in the Boston Marathon this year. Before we get into that, of course, I'd like to give a couple of shout-outs to some Breaking the Barrier community members who are going above and beyond. 
So firstly, I want to give a congratulations to Andy and Maria, who celebrated their 100th park run this past weekend. Now, Andy and Maria are, of course, amazing friends of mine, and they sort of run the show at the Wyndham Vale Park Run. So in other words, they they kind of coordinate everything that's happening. Maria's official title is the event director, and they both work so hard to make sure that everything runs smoothly and that everybody's happy. So they, of course, have full-time jobs, and the park run efforts that they give are voluntary, and they just take so much time out of their own lives to really put together the Wyndham Vale Park Run. And the fact that they've celebrated now 100 park runs aside from volunteering. Now, Maria has something crazy like 180 volunteering days at the park run. Andy has something like 120 or 160. One of those. I'm not sure. I can't remember. So to volunteer that many times and run that many times, plus coordinate it as much as they do, really big effort. So congratulations, guys. Really happy for you. And thank you so much for everything that you do. I want to say congratulations to Henry Howard. So those of you who have heard the episode that I interviewed Henry Howard on, you know that he's had a fantastic journey over the years, including a 100K that he was supposed to run, but he had to be admitted into emergency abdominal surgery before the race started. So he didn't actually get a chance. This year, this past weekend, he had the chance to go back to that race and complete it. So Henry had this to say in the Facebook community group. A year ago, I did slow loops around the hospital after emergency surgery that delayed my first 100K. Yesterday, I found redemption at that race, the ultra race of champions. Best wishes to all of you chasing your own barriers and don't ever limit where running can take you. Congratulations, Henry. That's awesome. It's got to feel so good, especially after the first time that you had signed up for the race that you had to, you you couldn't start because of your emergency surgery. And the fact that you recovered as well as you did and as strongly as you did to run it again, or well, run it the first time, that's, that's amazing. I'm really, really happy for you. So well done, Henry. Congratulations. Rock on. And a congratulations to Aaron, who this past weekend ran the Flying Pig Marathon. So yes, that is the name of an actual marathon, the Flying Pig Marathon. You can check it out. Aaron's a really awesome guy. He's one of the most positive people I know. Matter of fact, he is the CEO of Run With A Smile. So he's the guy that puts together all the the really positive sayings. And, you know, I, I really highly recommend checking out that brand, Run With A Smile. So you can check it out, runwithasmile.com. And of course, use the coupon code SMILEBREAK for 10% off your order. But really, he's he's such a great guy. He's always got awesome advice to give. And in the Marathon Training Academy community group, we all we all hashtag Aaron is watching because he's just he's always there to give the advice. He's always there to let us know that we're doing well or, you know, give his own personal spin on things. So congratulations, Aaron. That's awesome. I'm sure you'll be running another marathon like I'm sure you probably already run another marathon since you've run that one, because that's what you do. I also do want to say good luck to everybody running the Great Ocean Road Marathon this coming weekend. I should be there. I'm not running, but I should be there with some of my friends from WinFit and from Park Run. And I'm hoping to actually make a bit of an episode about that marathon. So just get some sort of tidbits from the race and some 
topics of discussion from my friends that are actually running the race and how they're feeling and that sort of thing. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to see how you go. It's, it's going to be interesting for me to be a spectator. I'm really excited. So good luck to everybody. And finally, I want to give a big congratulations to Ashley Watson. So yesterday, last night, Sunday, the 12th of May, her original song, Little Love, debuted on an episode of the hit television show, Harrow, on the ABC network. Really, really awesome. We had a bit of a pizza party and we watched the, you know, we watched the episode and and we, when the song came on, it was like really, it was so surreal. I'm so excited for her. And it was really exciting because it's her original song. It's her performing the song. So Harrow is the television show. And you can check it out. That song will is on the first episode of the second season. So it's about, I think it's about 10 minutes in. It's during a bit of a spicy scene. But it was just really cool. And the interesting thing for me was that, you know, when you're watching a television show and sometimes there's music playing in the background, but you can't really hear it because it's 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 playing underneath the other action that's going on. Her song was really featured, like you could really hear it. And at one point they sort of amplified it. So it was really playing. It was about a minute worth of, of her song. So that's really, really exciting. Uh, and I hope that that is the start of something amazing for her. So congratulations, Ashley. That was really exciting for me to see. Well done. Keep kicking butt. So congratulations to everybody out there in the Breaking the Barrier community who are going above and beyond. So now I'd like to get into the conversation that I had with Karima. So Karima is someone that I actually met through the Marathon Training Academy. And I got to tell you, I've been inspired by her because some of the challenges she's overcome and the accomplishments that she's made over the years. She's a Boston qualifier, so obviously a very fast runner, and she's just an overall strong human being. In this conversation, you're going to hear about some things that Karima has gone through that would have made some others quit, but she's actually made up her mind to let those experiences make her stronger and wiser. This year, Karima ran the Boston Marathon and experienced something that was totally unexpected and could have thrown a wrench into the gears for her future running. But through her strength, she's finding ways to move past and to move forward. She's a true inspiration to me and one of the strongest people I know. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Karima Majadity. So I'm here with Karima, who's who's agreed to speak with me today about about her running journey, about her life journey. And and I'm really, really excited. And really, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. It's really awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. No, no problem at all. You're, you're really, uh, some of the things that you do are really, really inspirational. I know you've been through some things in your life as well. So just a perfect chance to get a chance to talk to you a little bit. So uh, I'll ask you first, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. Um, I started a new job in August uh, here at Duke University at the law school. I okay. am a postdoc, um, which basically means that I do research. Um, I do not have my JD. I have my PhD in psychology with a focus in law. So I just do a lot of work in the criminal justice system, trying to examine wrongful convictions, mass incarceration, 
uh, just general criminal justice um, things. Yeah, and wow. And what, what brought you into that sort of path? Yeah, I'd always been interested in it. And then I decided to go back to school seven years ago. So I had gotten out of undergrad and um, worked in some nonprofits, worked in a homeless shelter, uh, worked in a women's work release. Wow. Uh, and I knew I wanted to do something a little bit more. And yeah, I decided to go back to school, get my PhD. And I just kind of um, always had a passion for injustice in the justice system. And so yeah. I didn't realize there was a a career or a major or a degree for that, but it turns out there is. So that's awesome. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting when you, when you find passion and in, in anything and thinking maybe it's not something that you can pursue, but there's always avenues that you can pursue it. I think that that's really, it's an interesting journey that you can, you can take. So yeah. Wow. Really cool. So that, that kind of leads pretty well into my next question. You've sort of, you sort of been, I think you probably already answered it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, just because it's a new question and I, and I like the sound of it and I made it up. So, cool. <laughs> um, so elevator pitch. So an elevator pitch is basically a 15 second sales pitch, right? So for, for our purposes, I'm going to ask elevator pitch, who is Karima Majadity today? I am a passionate person who wants to do good in the world and also enjoys running her family and her dog. Awesome. And how does that differ from the Karima, say, yesterday or m like many yesterdays? Uh, very different from Karima of many yesterdays. Um, in my early 20s, I'm now 35. Um, my late teens, early 20s, um, I suffered from a severe eating disorder. Yeah. And that basically defined who I was. Um, I was hospitalized and in treatment for a number of years. Um, I was, not to be dramatic, but, you know, kind of on my deathbed in the hospital. The doctors told my parents to say their goodbyes. Um, and that was just who I was. I was just kind of like this shell of a person trying to survive um and yeah it was a very different person um I, all i could focus on was the eating disorder so it's been a long time and it feels like yesterday and like forever ago at the same time yeah and how did all that come about that's a great question i'm not really entirely sure I was always a competitive soccer player mm -hmm. and um, I started to play in college and I also started to overtrain and I wouldn't get playing time. And then I would end up running kind of to punish myself or to get exercise in. And it became this kind of vicious cycle. And then, you know, I got taken out of college. My parents took me out. My so, uh, my second semester of my freshman year and um things got worse before they got better yeah yeah and so what was i guess the i mean i don't know if it's a it's the right thing to say but in in my personal journey there was there was a defining moment that it was like okay i've i've got to try to figure out how to get this in order because I know there's probably I mean I don't I don't know if you were the same way but for me there was 
there was some uh, denial in the fact of what I was sort of going through at some of the worst moments. So was that was that a factor for you? Did you go through sort of denial? Was there a defining moment that you decided things have to change? Um, I definitely was in denial in the beginning. I thought things were fine and, you know, my parents were overreacting and I didn't need to go to treatment. But then uh, there was no denying it after a certain amount of time. There was, um, I'd been in treatment and kind of relapsed and I wasn't in denial anymore, but I was also just so severely depressed that I didn't care. Yeah. And I was put into a hospital that was basically a locked ward after I was in the medical hospital. And, you know, I was there for like six months. It was horrible. My goal at the time was to maintain so I would never have to go back. Um, yeah. But it was still a struggle. I didn't have like an aha moment where, yeah. you know, I was like, I'm today, everything's going to be different. It was a battle for years. And I don't yeah. think it was until, you know, I really um, got working and, you know, actually went to grad school, moved away from home and found a bunch of awesome friends and people um, that I really can you know, say that I'm in recovery. So I didn't have a, a turning point. It was just a, a battle for a number of years. Yeah. Okay. And is it so, is it something that you find that you struggle with still? Um, every now and then, I mean, there are things that I don't do on purpose. I don't own a scale. If yeah. I go to the doctor, I'll get on backwards and ask them not to tell me. I really treat it differently to treat eating differently now because I want to make sure I have enough fuel to run. Right. Um, and I think that's been a big game changer. I think that, you know, when I first started training before a coach and I was just using a, a training plan from, you know, runner's world, I was like, Oh, if I'm not running as much these days and I probably shouldn't eat as much, but that didn't last too long. I was getting stress fractures and now I just view it differently mm -hmm. uh, so yeah okay and and in terms of how you're running so obviously you're running now is very different than the reasons that you ran before like during during soccer days and 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 you know quote unquote the punishment right so okay. how, where did where did that transition occur from uh an unhealthy i guess really and I don't, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I guess an unhealthy relationship to running to, to what it more now is, is, a, you know, obviously it's a better relationship with running. You're a much more successful runner. Um, where did that transition start to occur? Um, I remember I wanted to run my first marathon to kind of show that I could, I was strong enough. I was recovered enough. Um, and that, um, I could be an athlete again. And okay. for a long time, being an athlete was, uh, what defined me. And I wanted to get that back in my life. Um, so in 2014, I talked to my parents about it and, you know, they were, they were a little nervous, but, you know, at that point I'd also done a half marathon. So it was really just wanting to prove that I could have that enjoyment back in my life for 
good reasons and that I'd come so far, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't walk at times when I was very ill. Um, I couldn't, let alone run, let alone run a marathon. Um, so I really wanted to see um, what I could do and kind of prove that I was on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. So was it kind of like, did you, was it also sort of when you run, knowing that you could undertake training like that and, and sort of not do it for the wrong reasons and get too carried away with it? Uh, did that come into play as well? Yeah, it definitely did. And I think using, even just using like a, a plan from runner's world gave me structure. Yep. Um, and so I was, I'm fairly type A. Um, yeah. So I was like, I will follow directions. So I think that having that structure helped me because God forbid I do less, God forbid I do more. Uh, so, you know, I'm a little less type A than I, I used to be. But when I was first getting started, it was definitely... Um, there were like parameters and yeah. I think that also helped. Um, but I was also doing it for fun. It wasn't like punishment. I felt completely different emotionally, awesome. mentally. I really picked up my running when I was in grad school, which is a very stressful time. And I found running to be complete stress reliever, especially living yeah. in New York city, you know, just getting out there and running the running community is great. So it was a completely different feeling. Yeah. Right. And, and now in terms of your running today, now you're you obviously still tell everybody who your coach is. Steve Walden. <laughs> yes. I, think you know. I think I know the guy. So how do you find that having it? So that obviously Steve puts together really well-planned structure for you and you find that that's, that's awesome. Do you ever, do you ever sort of stray away from it or are you, are you now pretty pretty on point with it or do you give yourself a little bit more break now that you're sort of less type a you know i trust him completely mm. uh, but if there are days where you know i'm, I'm feeling sick or you know i have the flu or something um i'll email him and just be like i am down and out mm. um, something's a little cranky i might just make it an easy day yeah um, and that's new ish for me like the last maybe like two or three training cycles okay. um not to overtrain, and seeing how he he is so flexible and we can move things around gives me a lot of confidence that um i can be just like completely honest with him and it's not going to be a big deal it's rare that i will add more to a workout yeah um, <laughs> um which is <laughs> yeah um which is is also good yeah um, i i don't think i've ever done more than he's asked on a workout day nice yeah no that's good that's that uh, i think is probably a lesson that i will now take with me moving forward <laughs> now that i'm in the position that i'm in so that's that's really cool though that's that's a big that's a big change coming from where you've come to now just the fact that you can say, I'm not feeling it today. Let's maybe, you know, take it easy for the day. That's really awesome. That's a yeah. big deal. I don't always do it, <laughs> but it's more it's more frequent. Yeah. Um, and luckily, the way he builds the training, as you know, there's a lot of rest, you know, built in and recovery built in a lot of recovery runs. So 
staying healthy um, has been easier with Steve than before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, yeah, I definitely find that, that recovery is full time with Steve. So <laughs> that's a really good thing. So what, what if some of the challenges say in, from your first marathon training cycle to now, what's, what's some of the major challenges that you found in terms of your running and training? Um, I think they've depended on the cycle. I've battled some overuse injuries. My third marathon, which was the first one I was training with, with, uh, Walden, uh, I ran the Philadelphia marathon and my first Boston, uh, without a coach. And, um, like I did well enough in Philadelphia to BQ. And then I towed the line at Boston and I was completely banged up. Um, I was running on a stress reaction. I ended up with a stress fracture in my opposite foot by the end of the race. And so I was like, okay, that running marathon journey was fun, but I'm out now. And a couple months later, um, I wanted to run another marathon. (laughs) And (laughs) that's when I found MTA. And I invested in a coach. When I was training for Chicago last October, I was also defending my dissertation, moving to Durham from New York and starting a new job all within six weeks. Wow. Um, yeah. Between August, really, yeah, really between end of July, beginning of September. And that's kind of, that was kind of very important training for Chicago. And that stress load was just a lot. I don't think I realized it until after Chicago, how much I had had on my plate and now the research shows that, you know, any kind of stress, your body reacts to it the same. Yeah. Um, so that's been difficult. Um, but moving to Durham actually has been a lot easier. Um, there's a great running community here. I run with Bull City Track Club um, and they're amazing. And so I basically just like run with my friends and it's made getting up early easier, being accountable you know, my recent struggle was Boston, yeah. uh, which we got to get into if you want, but I feel like that's a separate conversation, separate question and answer. Well, uh, let, let's get into it. So Boston Marathon 2019, uh, a few weeks ago, still kind of new. Tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about that, that journey. So uh, start with the training and then we'll get into the race. That's fine. <laughs> uh, the training was really really good i hadn't felt quite so strong about my training since the prior boston's though since like a year ago i felt more confident um going in than i had for chicago Mm -hmm. um i pretty much hit like almost all my workouts and they were harder than other training cycles i'd had um i was healthy which was huge I ran a half marathon PR, which I was really proud of that indicated I was in really good shape. And what was that time? Did you, that happen? Um, it was one twenty three forty five. So wow. and uh, you, you placed did you you placed in that race, didn't you? I did. I was the third female. It was a small race, but still I'll get <laughs> still yeah. that time though. 
Wow. Yeah, I was I was very happy with that. Um, it was a perfect day. It was a flat course, um, but I'll still take it. Um, and so yeah, training was really good. I was my the first goal was to go sub three ten. That was what we kind of talked about in the okay. beginning of the cycle, and wow. that's what some of my marathon pace uh, workouts were set to do, kind of in that seven. 05 to 715 range were what my marathon pace miles were supposed to be. Um, and I found that when I was running with some people who are faster than I am, uh, we saw that I was hitting a little bit faster than that um, in the 16, 18, 20 milers. Um, mm-hmm. When those miles uh, we saw like averaging around seven, wow. some of those marathon pace miles were a little below seven. So we talked about adjusting my goals a little bit. Um, and, you know, the, the A goal was sub 305 for Boston. Uh, the pie in the sky goal was sub three, but I kind of ruled that out a, a little early on just because, um, you know, Stephen talked to me and said, you need to make that decision very early in the race. Yeah. Like within the first three miles, if you're going to go for it, because you can't make up that time in Boston. If you lose just a couple miles, if you lose a couple seconds here and there, you just can't make it up on that course. Is that because um, of the is, is a pretty brutal course toward the end, is it? Yeah, the second half is um, where all the hills are, Yeah, um, you know, and it's a hard race to negative split to begin with, so... I kind of went out with a plan to, and a couple of friends who paced me to try and hit on average sevens. So I would come in right, right under three Oh five. That was the goal. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then the race itself started out. Okay. It wasn't a monsoon like we expected, like the BAA expected, um, Mm. but it turned out to be pretty hot and, um, I was running pretty well. I felt good through the half. I came in right at 131, which was exactly on target pace. I was happy with it. Um, the Newton Hills, I felt more than I had wanted to, but you you know that part's going to not be fun when you're going into Boston. And I just wanted to keep with my pacers who were doing such a great job. Um, my friends, Tim and Catherine and Tim had run that course about 10 times. He's like a 239 marathoner. So I just trusted him and I just wanted to follow him. Um, when I got to heartbreak, I saw my parents, which was great. It was a good boost, but around 22, 23, I wasn't feeling awesome, but you never feel good at that point in a marathon. You know, I, I say that, but that's not true. I have felt good. I've, my first marathon, I felt good at 23. Yeah. Um, so it's not always true. But at that point, I was really trying to get Gatorade down. My legs felt a little wonky. Um, I wasn't looking at my watch because I knew if I looked down at the times, at the splits, I was going to freak out either way. If I saw a time that I thought was too fast per mile, I would freak out. And if I saw a time that was too slow per mile, I would freak out. So my goal was just to not look at the splits and got to 24 and 
you know, Tim was handing me two Gatorades at a time. I kind of felt a little jelly legged and hot. And then, you know, we get to mile 25 and I think, okay, I, I really just have to gut it out. This is a complete mind over matter. Mm. Um, there's a ton of research. Tim Noakes does research. Alex Hutchinson has reported on it about how the body gives up before the mind. So I kept reminding myself that. And then I took a ride on Hereford and uh, didn't take a left on Boylston because I collapsed and my legs uh, just dropped. I don't, I don't remember a whole lot. I don't remember. Um, I remember not feeling good, but I don't, my legs just gave out and my friend Catherine tried to help me up. They tried to help me up. I kind of waved them off because I was afraid that if they helped me, um, they would disqualify me from race. Is that Um, something that would, is that actually? uh, Well, it depends on the race and, you know, I know like CIM is very strict about assistance because a lot of people try and qualify for the Olympic trials there. So it depends on the race. Um, I was just being paranoid, I think. Mm. Uh, But then I just like, I couldn't get up. And at that point, medics came out to get me. Yeah. Um, And they took me to the medical tent on, um, and, you know, did my blood pressure and they told me, um, cause I was crying at this point. I was really upset. I was like, I'm so close. Like you can finish. We just need to like give you an IV. Yeah. Wow. And so I was like, okay, at least I'll be able to finish. And after the IV, um, they said, actually you're getting worse, not better. And we need to transfer you to the hospital. Oh man. Um, so they ended up transferring me to what Boston calls Tent A, um, mm-hmm. which is their big medical base. Um, and they ambulanced me there and ended up, Tent A is pretty incredible um, in terms of what they could do there. They checked my potassium, they checked other electrolytes, they checked my blood oxygen, and is very impressive operation. Uh, what the DAA has there. My parents found me and I got two and a half IV bags. Everything kind of normaled out after a few hours and they let me go. But it was heartbreaking. I'm still heartbroken. Um, I cried for a long time (laughs) uh, over many days. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, the tracking system had me as finished or okay. expected finish. Um, so a lot of people had texted me. Yeah. Congratulations. And then they saw that I didn't actually finish. And it, it was gutting because I had the 303. I was going to get it. Mm-hmm. I was pace. That was the expected finish time when I was at 25.9. The fourth, uh, 24th mile, apparently we ran in like 640 or 650 something. So it was sub seven. Wow. And, you know, my... My friends thought I was okay because I was running. I hadn't slowed down. There wasn't a, there wasn't like a slow slowing down. It was just pedal to the metal and then out. So I almost, I was almost there about 300 meters. Yeah. So that was my Boston. 
Wow, that's intense. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it it sounds like it was just the norm. I mean, I, I don't know if running a marathon when you're that tired is normal tired, but for running a marathon, it sounds like it was kind of like normal tiredness. <laughs> it felt a lot like I did at the end of Chicago, which wasn't yeah. great. Um, but I slowed down a lot the last two miles of Chicago. Yeah. Um, and I thought if I could just hold on just like a little bit longer, um, I would be okay. And even if I didn't hit sub 305, I would still get a big PR. And yeah, I, I just, uh, my body gave out. I, I left it all out there. I can say that with confidence. Um, so you, I, I really left it all on the line. Do you, do you think you'd do anything differently? I would start hydrating the night before a lot more. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think. And, um, probably take in more calories um although it was my electrolyte so i don't know if my fueling with the martin gels was even giving me electrolytes or if it was just glucose i'm Mm. kind of investigating that now before my next race yeah Um, what i can do to make sure i don't have that bottom out feeling yeah i would maybe slow down a little bit but it you know at that point if I would have slowed down, I'm afraid that I would have just, you know, not got like fallen as well. I don't know. I don't know. I've relived it a lot. I don't know. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I guess moving forward, I guess it's hard to think about all the different factors that could have come into play. Like, I mean, really you, you did leave it all out there. So that's, I mean, that's that just sounds like it was it was an intense race and I, I think um I applaud you for how hard you pushed 